0: Welcome along to another edition of the Left Wing Back Podcast. We have gone a little bit left-wing with our guest this week because we have someone in from the opposition as opposed to a Carlow man. We are reflecting back on Carlow versus Sligo in the Allianz Football League over the weekend. And just before we introduce this week's guest, who of course, is Gavin Cawley. Let's listen to the post-match reaction that Gavin got
1: with Nile Crew. Um... (coughs) <coughs> must be delighted uh, Your first competitive game And off to a win and start From the Carola perspective
2: Ah look It's um, You know I feel sorry for Sligo I had some great times Down there for the three years But Obviously with a job to do here With with our boys We only have them A couple of weeks um, And to be honest with you uh, um, To get a, a win off a team That's fighting for promotion And I suppose this was a, Probably a trial match For us as well That's no disrespect to Sligo Now we had a good team out I felt Um, and I said it to Paul that we have a lot of experienced players playing today um, that I'd be hoping that we'd be competitive at least Uh, and we were Uh, we made a lot of mistakes they are getting used to playing I suppose a different brand of football Um, the other type served them very well Um, but I suppose for us you know, we have a different vision and a different plan and we're, we're hoping that that style of play is going to suit Carlo going forward. But look, for a first game, um, first competitive game, it's great to get a win, uh, score 2-17. We do need to tighten up defensively. Um, and we know that obviously as well to concede 2-15 but look to score 2-17 we can work on our defensive structure going
1: forward um, so yeah looking forward now to the off the game in two weeks time the, yeah, um, you can see the two goals there and it um, looked like the game was kind of going against you but you got a great goal and it really brought you back and then after that you were kind of always looked like the team was going to win the game at that stage
2: yeah and we probably held the ball too long um, you know we were playing keep ball and we probably gave Sligo a bit of a chance to get back into it after that uh, but Ross Dunphy got a superb goal and it was, um, you know, it was a top draw goal and it just got us right back into the game. Um, and from there then, you're right, we probably didn't look like losing it. Um, and we missed a few easy chances there near the end when the pressure was on. But like I said, score two you'd be very pleased with that. Um, but I would be worried about conceding the 2-15. I suppose
1: if you, if, if you can score that amount in most games, you're going to win a lot of games. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the whole idea is that you know, you, you know, when you can score. And we do have forward sticks of um, uh, Broderick and, and um, lads like that inside, and you know, Blake played very well, obviously. And Jordan Morrissey, you know, he's they're only little cubs, and they're going to get better and better. And, and finished Ross Dunphy, he, he played like he was playing with Carla for 10 years, I thought, this evening.
1: And just a word on Sligo uh, you're gone there a couple of seasons now, um, a, a lot younger team than the when you had them. Uh, I say their, their chance of promotion's gone at this stage you now. What would you say uh, uh, for them now, them what can go back to drawing board really for next season really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I, I think they're on the board. I, I think they're a very, very young team. There was only three players that I coached, uh, maybe four, that was on the panel for me when I was there and that's only three years ago. So they've a completely different setup. Um they're very young, really, really young. Um, and that probably cost them today. I think our more experienced players like Sean Gannon come into it more. Um at the end of it and uh, probably settled us and Owen Root at midfield I thought was awesome from start to finish um, you know he, he did a good job on Paddy and Paddy kicked one or two wonderful points uh, Paddy's top class player uh, but look overall we, we'd be happy with the win
1: would you say That was where the, the game Was won and lost The midfield sector You seem to uh, Win your fair share Of kick out Yeah
2: I, I think so And um, look And I felt sorry For our keeper He had an off day And we had to change him That was, um, a, that was a big call to, uh, to change him The way you did Yeah well we kind of Had yeah. to You know we felt That things were not Just wasn't happening yeah. from on the day And I, I think just um, in fairness to goalkeepers it's just not nice but um, look I I felt we had to do it it was a big call but at the end of it we have to look at Offaly in the back of our minds as well so it was important that we put somebody else in as well
1: Sometimes you can change a goalkeeper and sometimes you don't know what way it's going to go But the kickouts from the sub subkeeper uh, uh, didn't look like you fazed him at all
2: Didn't faze him and he knew he took his chance there and he grabbed him with two hands So uh, He's going to be asking
1: a lot of questions for
2: that after the game Yeah, I know, look, he was very good uh, But uh, no, look, and it's something that you have to do, you know
0: Alright, Gav, thanks for getting the audio for us there That was uh, a game that not many people got to see up close and personal in the flesh You were there I think you were also there last year when Carlo played Sligo and defeated him when Thurlow was in charge. and um, Two completely different sides, it has to be said.
3: Yeah, completely different, uh, Kevin, I suppose. Uh, from a Sligo perspective, you, uh, Sligo were really in the hunt for promotion and where way the results went on Sunday, especially with uh, Wex turning over Limerick. It was a great opportunity for Sligo to get out of Division, division 4, but... Uh, I suppose it really opened things up the way Cardo played and it was a different style of football to what uh, we've been used to under Turlock over the last couple of years and it was really a sign of things to come under uh, Nile Carew I thought especially
0: Yeah so obviously when you were speaking to him there, fair play to you, you tailored a lot of the questions towards uh, <laughs> towards the Cardo audience uh, which, we're, which we're very grateful for But you did ask him about his time in Sligo and he does have a soft spot for Sligo having been there and done so well um, what was the big takeaways that you find from that post-match reaction? We have a number of talking points which we will really go through, but uh, there was a real feel-good factor, I felt, from, from what he was saying.
3: Yeah, I suppose I've spoken to you a couple of times um, in the lead-up to the game and also in the last couple of years, especially when you you were on that run and I suppose Carlo really enjoyed football for a, a sake that probably in the past people didn't give the respect that they deserved. And I suppose even back in Turlock's days, I don't think we would say that uh you see a Carlo team scoring two seventeen. I suppose the negative is conceding two fifteen, but I suppose the whole saying if if you if you score enough in on one end and win, yeah, you won't really care how much you concede really, isn't, isn't that a good point, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well I suppose, you know, there was there was a few instances and I know Turlock and Potra would argue this where you know, against Loudon Championship two years ago, they put up a score higher than that. And, you know, against Kildare, they would have put up high scores too. But that was from a more attacking, counter-attacking point, point of view. Um, that's It was very refreshing, I have to say, because I said to you beforehand that I thought we might struggle to get scores. And, again, no disrespect to the guys that are there, but um, we, we have been crying out for forwards for a long number of years. And while guys have been showing well on on the club front, like it's, it's a different level when you go into county. And, um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to see us putting up two seventeen. Uh, so, like, what was it like up close and personal? Like, that's that's the thing I'm really interested in because obviously we had the benefits of GAA go for about ninety five percent of the game dropped off in the end. Everyone was going mad, but like from movement point of view, um, defensive shape, different things like that. What did you notice? What were the big differences, um, towards Carroll twelve months ago and Carroll last weekend?
3: I thought, um, I thought they had a very good balance of. Um of going forward, and uh, considering that Niall is only in the job, with with everything that's happened over the last while with the pandemic and uh, club championships as well, we're we're talking only a couple of weeks that he's had the, the squad together, and I felt there was a good bit of Joe Brennan uh, look about the team that, um, the way the transition from defence into attack, um, I suppose from a striker perspective, I felt like we very open at the back, like Paul Brodrick, um people might might consider him a very good free taker but he still scored five points from play the last day and ten points in total it will win you most games for a corner forward perspective and he was a torn in Sligo's side the whole time I thought the midfield absolutely destroyed Sligo if if you were on the Sligo management team you wouldn't want to know how well Carlo done on on their kick out alone so um, it was a very pleasing con- considering you were out the two Murphys, who have been two massive players for Carlo over the last three or four years, and they put a new midfield partnership there together, and it seemed to work very well. And it's only a real pity from from Carlo is that uh, that they couldn't just get maybe an extra point or two, because they would have really been in in the hunt for promotion, even though there's still a slight chance they can they can get away with uh, getting out of the division.
0: Yeah, it was still, still a cracking game nonetheless, Gav. Um, you know, it could have went either way. And I suppose this is the thing that people have to weigh up from, Carl, point of view. Like we were saying we wanted to attack in football for a while. A lot of people were saying that. I was quite happy as long as we were winning. But like in these type of games, are they risk-reward scenarios where you could easily come out and do the end of that 217-215 result? Or do you play the percentages and just look for results? Or is there a happy medium to be got here somewhere?
3: I think, Kevin, in some ways it was refreshing to see both teams not play blank defences and both teams just go for it and um, I think some ways both teams were at fault to let themselves open, but I think it was the brand of football both teams tried to play that if if you're going around and get a goal uh, for instance in the second half uh, Red Oak Murphy got a goal for Sligo and the the point, they added a point to five up and I, lie, I thought the game had, was going to go away from Carlo at that, at that perspective, but um, they really, they really stuck in there. They got a great goal. I'd say must be ninety seconds later uh, through Ross Dunphy which was a good goal you'll see within, without the down throughout the country on Saturday or Sunday. So, um, I know you you will be concerned about the the first goal in particular, but it was um, it was more that Carlo in possession got turned over, and they were just a bit a bit caught unawares. But that's going to happen. When, like, as I spoke to Nile in that interview, um, he wasn't sure about some of his players. Like, you can do as many in-house challenge games, play as many challenge games you want, until you get into the heat of competitive action. Like, like what happened on Saturday, you'll find out what players are like. So, for instance, unfortunately, from Robert Sampson's perspective, he was in goals and led to a poor kick out, um, from the first, uh, from the second goal from Red Oak Murphy. Um, he was whipped off soon soon after, and you don't see that too often, whether it be club football or inter-county football. And that proved to be, I think, the decisive factor in the end. Sligo were well on top on, on Samson's kickouts. Uh, they made the sub, and I think it was the, the difference on the day, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and look, it was a very bold move, and Nyland alluded to it there in the post-match that he had to make the change. It was ruthless, and... It worked, and uh, look, I'm a big fan of Samo. I think he's still a great keeper. I think it was just one of those days he was having, and he's an unbelievable full forward for the club as well. But uh, like everyone, I suppose, you can have, he can have a bad day. But like when Malik came on, his kickouts were very good. He was finding his men, and you know he looked uh, he he looked composed, I suppose, in in finding the men, and he was very relaxed. And it worked out, and it steadied Carlo a little bit. And again, I don't want to be too hard on Samo. He's a, he's a great lad, and again, who knows he could be back between the sticks at, at some stage too. But it was a very, very bold move, move by Niall. Um, have you seen this sort of ruthlessness from from Niall in the past? And, you know, what what are those examples if you have? And I suppose just as a side point, it's an example that where if he makes the call, he's not afraid to make it, he'll stand by it. And it worked the other day. But have you seen that in the past from Nile as well?
3: Yeah, he's, he's, he's ruthless in terms of, of many things that's happened, even... <laughs> to come back to him in his early days in Sligo, that he showed that um, he wanted it to be a serious, um, serious outfit that was a player with Sligo. And a week before National League, he went away on holidays. The next thing he was dropped. like So he takes his football very seriously. Um, he, he means business. And I think, if you're being honest, um, it's, a, it's a help that Carlo won't get promoted this year, even though they still have a chance. Uh, I think that he'll get a lot more out of his players in twelve months down the road, and you'll see a style of football that you wouldn't have seen under Turlock. No disrespect to Turlock, he's done a great job, but it's maybe it's time to improve the style of football with a bit of with a bit of more attacking inside of football, and also have a bit of defensive mind as well. So you'll see that even if you go back to Sligo's time with Niall crew that they really transformed their style of play. And you'll see back in 2015, Sligo pulled off a big shock when they played Roscommon. Although they got well beaten in the Connacht final, uh, it shows that these results can be done with the right game plan. And he seems to have a good management team in there, which are Brendan especially. And you'll see Carlo football, I think, striving in the next couple of years, I think, under Nile crew
0: yeah, but from the Joe Brennan point of view then, what's those characteristics and styles that you thought you saw the other day that had Gerard Brennan written all over it? What was the what was the standouts kind of that make you think, well, like, this is Joe Brennan's way of doing things? And you've seen those possibly in the past through third-level stuff, have you?
3: Yeah, like, he's come in there the last couple of years with UCD, and he, uh, he doesn't necessarily involve with the, with the top team, but he's involved with the intermediate team. And I thought the style of play, like the transition from defence into attack, the use of the kick pass, um, I know some some coaches might might use the hand pass more, to, but I I thought the transition uh, from defence into attack, like the amount of times to use diagonal balls into the likes of Broderick which might have started from the half back line, uh, was refreshing to watch, and it was very good to see how uh, how the lads have just come in there such a short uh, times time span, and to get a result like they did, scoring two seventeen is no mean feat. Uh, despite um, maybe some easy easy freeze at times from for Carlo, but they won't worry about that. And I think the more and more uh, Niall can get out of this team, and th- they won't fear playing awfully in a couple of weeks' time either. Because uh, Sligo played awfully the last couple of years, and the th- th- nip and tuck as well. So they- they'll take a lot from this win, and they'll-, they'll think to themselves, "There's no reason why we can't uh, get a win against Carlo in a couple of weeks' time as well."
0: Now you're refereeing up at the Gav and I know you're ref it was the junior final up there this year, I think, and you you did a senior championship game or two as well and you were you were getting on very well. So you're you're in a good position for me to ask you this question. I noticed during the first half there, um Chris Blake and his opposite number were having I don't know, a bit of an altercation. I think the two might have been up on the ground at one stage. And Chris Blake ended up getting the yellow, but his opponent didn't. Now, in those sort of situations, it's very, very rare that the forward instigates that kind of rigmarole or that kind of carry on uh, generally from an officious point of view they typically end up being two yellows because I remember Kieran Donaghy saying for years and he said it in his book if a fullback started giving him guff he would actually pull into to the ground because two wouldn't be on the yellow but the defender is obviously more risk than the forward <laughs> was there an was that to this happening on, on Saturday and why was it did you think that Blake just got the yellow and not the defender I think
3: it's, it's actually funny if, uh, you mention that because it was actually the defender that was at the pulling. And I, I was thinking of myself, what you at here that's going to be handy free. And uh, at that stage, Carlo were well, well on top in the first half. But the referee gave nothing on the occasion. And the umpire then called in, called in the referee. And um, he was awfully, actually an awfully man. So hopefully he's not given too much information, headed the game in a couple of weeks' time the umpire called, called him in and he only booked, uh, booked Blake for some reason and unless he saw something that the rest of us didn't see um, I don't know what he gave the yellow card for but it's in, in that case from my experience the last couple of games and when I was wrestling the club championship uh, you would feel that two yellows would have been suffice or tell the lads cut it out and the next time you're going doshing out the yellow card maybe that might have been the best um, the best best thing to do in that occasion, but I don't know why he got that. But on the refereeing perspective, it might sound like sour grass but I felt that uh, Carlo got some some of the decisions easier than Sligo did. As I was telling you off air, that I thought Broderick uh, organised uh, a few frees. Maybe if the game was in Markwick Park, what do you got? And that's a, another question for day. But it's it's just it's a thing that, like managers and players always say about Division Four that. No disrespect to the officials, but it wouldn't be as high as if a Division 1 game and maybe hometown decisions do easily become a lot stronger in a Division 4 than it would be in, in other in other divisions. But it just shows you, once again, how important home advantage is in any level in the National Football League, but especially in Division 4. We, we've seen it there there over the weekend. Again, look at the scoreline uh, Antrim put up. Against uh, Antrim failed to lose at the weekend Like I wouldn't have thought they would have lost to Wicklow But Wicklow are flying this And they're a great chance of getting promoted now This again
0: Yeah they're doing these And uh, yeah the hometown decisions I don't know if there is hometown When there's no crowd That's the anything Gav But <laughs> I know what you're getting at though In normal circumstances I know what you're getting at Come here um, this, uh, this, These permutations will be brought here In association with Norfin and, and Panadol Because there is so many different ways That things can work out here So maybe you'll talk us through it. I don't know if you had the table in front of you, but what what can or can't happen, or what is the story? What happens if three teams are level on points is probably the main thing, or in some cases it might be a four team level on points. Uh, What happens? How is it decided, especially given the fact that London are now not in it? So, what's the story?
3: So, I, I was the first one that pointed this out to you, I think it was Sunday evening, I think, and you were shocked when I told you this so you're looking at the fixtures next weekend first off uh, London were due to play Carlo so you can add another two points on the league table for Carlo that'll put eight, put them on eight points um, looking at the table at the minute uh, you've Wicklow and you have Wexford both on eight points but both them meet this weekend so you're assuming one of them teams will hit ten points So and Sligo host Limerick Antrim Horse, you said Antrim host Antrim, Antrim host who? Antrim host uh Wadford, sorry, and yeah. uh, Sligo host uh, Limerick. And uh from from Carlo and Sligo perspective, uh both teams need uh need Sligo to beat to beat Limerick first off, and then um hope that Wadford can get either a point are a, a draw out of uh, Antrim and anything's possible after the way they performed last weekend. So that would mean you have a scatter of teams on eight points. So that would mean you have five teams by recogni- my recognition of uh, if if Antrim only get a draw, we'll say, it. and uh, one of the other two teams uh, then uh, win in that uh, battle between Wexford and uh, Wicklow, which is a which is very interesting because will the play teams? Will they be... Will they be holding back for the championship a week later? Uh, It's hard to know. I think, personally, I think you'll agree with me that if if you're in this division, you want to get out of the division and you don't be holding back. Regardless, championship is your most important thing, but no disrespect to either team, but are any of them going to beat Dublin? Highly doubtful. So you think this is a massive game for both teams next weekend. And Wexford at home, you probably give them The the shout on that but what happens Kevin is that it it came to Congress a couple of years ago it's not actually how your scoring difference if there's a couple of teams on it it's not like in the past that it's for and against over the course of the division it's how you're done against the teams you're level on so for instance Carlo and Sligo if they were level uh, Carlo would have a two point advantage and Sligo would be minus two and vice versa against all the other teams, and you'll be taking out calculators, panel all be taken. Yeah, you could be here till next year deciding who's, who's got that second spot, but you'd probably say it's highly doubtful that Sligo or Carlo are going to come out of the division. But I suppose living hope is a, is also a help in these circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I was just hoping the first thing off, anyway, as you said there, you're looking for Wexford to beat Wicklow because Carlo actually beat Wicklow. Um, so. Yeah, if that's the case then <laughs> it's like that meme where that gift that goes around. So you're saying there's a chance from a from dumber. Um you know, so yeah, next weekend is going to be it's gonna be very interesting, no doubt. Gav, just um let's let's talk about the the elephant in the room at the moment. We're we're on level five restrictions and you know, the GA is going ahead. Um I was a little bit apprehensive about this maybe late last week and don't or didn't know how it was possible was it fair to declare an elite level sport when you can keep professional players playing professional sports in the bubble but these guys going back to work and stuff but the one thing i do have to say and i appreciate that these guys are putting their bodies on the line how nice was it to see inter-county football being played this again? and how good was it for the head i might i look from my own point of view i just thought it was a breath of fresh air to have this going on and again you have to give kudos to the lads that actually stepped out and played Given the circumstances we're in. Should they be doing it or not, I don't know. But all I can tell you, it was damn good to see a bit
3: of action at the weekend. I was to you probably um, maybe this time last week, and I know you were apprehensive about the whole thing. You you were saying that you would have loved to just seen the club stuff throughout the country just finished out and maybe forget about Enter County for for a year and I was probably the other way around. I suppose I I, I the sligo had on me and I thought maybe we'd a great chance against against Carlo considering the preparations wouldn't have been helped compared to Sligo for instance who had the group of players the whole year and Sligo the chance of promotion. But I have to say and I, I don't know if it's been said anywhere that you have to hand it to Carlo Gia in, in Netwatch uh, Cullen Park at the weekend. Everything was done so professional. Um you came in the door um whether it was media, officials, um management, um you had, you signed a book, you put down your number for close contacts. Um there was um there was the everything was done properly. The players were had their face masks on around the dressing room. Um, you wouldn't have thought any different that we were in in the times we we're in. And I have to say that I have to hand it down to Carlo GA once again, like hand sanitizer, everything was top notch. And if there was any doubts about could could counties like Carlo uh, host games without any hindrance, I have to say. Hats off to Carlo, they've done a fantastic job. Um, You're on about inter-county mindset, mental health. Um, you can just look at social media, whether Saturday or Sunday, talking about um games being on the TV. We'll take one county for in-, in-, in particular. I they think they're going to win the All-Ireland again after beating Galway. A goal with a second string team, but they still think they're gonna win the all Ireland. Um we have 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 we missed have we missed that uh that kind of bit of banter uh among the GA community? I think we have uh Carlo people mightn't have seen it, but for instance, we I know you know plenty of people that love Carlo GA. That's gonna give them a boost again after probably a very disappointing Division Four League campaign. Um when you can't meet someone can't you ring them? Oh, did you see that? What did you think? Oh, that fella shouldn't be on. You just read what the GA is all about. Uh, for instance, I, I know we're we both in the same similar ser, uh, friend circles and I probably got plenty of um, digs in. Oh, that Carlo got the better of Sligo. Now what you love, like especially it's going to give you the boost of when the, the nights are really getting darker there. And uh, If you take last night, for instance, what else would you be at on a Monday night, only watching a bit of under twenty one hurling? Um, it's better than than watching any soap or whatever you might be watching on TV. It really, I really enjoyed it anyway, and uh, I hope just that we can keep it going for the next uh, couple of months. It wouldn't be great leading into Christmas if we had an All Ireland final. There might be no fans, but uh, does anyone care if they can get them through these tough times, especially when we're going into level five? And hopefully, I know the GA have got a lot of negative press county finals and case numbers but um, as a, from what I've seen the weekend I can't see there being a problem in that sense uh, players are sticking to themselves their own water bottles they're wearing their face masks um, on the pitch um, I think the I think the studies say that you're least likely to, to pick it up is at 85% least likely to get it on the pitch and um, the way things have been carried out um, so far from what I've seen the weekend was top notch and as I said again I have no ties to Carlo, but hats off. Hats off to my hut. they done a fantastic job of the weekend.
0: Let's kind of generalize a little bit. So, because I've, I've actually got a few more things I want to ask you about. Um, so, just as a, we're on the topic of, of this whole thing, whether it should go ahead, whether it should not. I'm sure you saw Bevan Duffy's quotes there yesterday. Um, he was speaking to LMFM, I think, and RTE he done an article on it then subsequently, and he used the quotes from it. And he was saying, basically that, you know, he said, I'll just quote it now. I'll, I'll have it here in front of me. I don't understand what the case numbers going on with the way things are all around the country. How GA intercounty county footballers are all of a sudden immune to this? He said, we've teachers in that dressing room. We've lads living at home. A lot of lads living at home with their elderly parents. It doesn't really make much sense. And he went on to question the comments of many ex-players who work in the media. And I quote, a lot of former players seem to be driving it, but there are lads who are writing articles and have TV gigs, he added. And he said, the lack of testing, the zero testing—I just can't understand it. So that's a fairly damning indictment. There it has to be said, Gav. Like, is that kind of true across the board? I wonder—is that something that a lot of lads feel? Is it something that a lot of players, you know, are—are are they concerned? Are they not concerned? It would seem to me that if there is a lack of testing, given the fact that they have the rapid testing thing available to them, that that's a little bit disappointing. And perhaps they should be really hammering this home and availing of that. If it's going to go ahead. It has to go ahead on those merits and on those bases.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think pros and cons to the argument there. I know Leitrim put the whole thing into disrepute at the weekend. And I know Tipperary, for instance, who Leitrim faced this weekend, um, asked a lot of questions about this. And you'd wonder about Leitrim at the weekend.
0: Actually, can, the, I just, the, can I just say, uh, before you go on to make that point, let's just add in what David Power said to the very manager. Uh, it was basically along the lines of the merits of the league are gone when you see teams doing that. Jesus, God, that seems a little bit harsh to me given what's going on now for him to actually come out and say that. Like, Or what do you think?
3: Um, I'll just take the point on Leitrim, for instance. Um, since March, um, they've been on a rampage in the local radio here, Ocean FM. And it seems to be upheld bent, trying to get the league um, the league postponed our league's not the league not to finish up and I suppose League are a bit like Sligo and Carlo um, we haven't won too much over the years and um, they won the league they got the league final last year in promotion which was massive to them and I suppose they don't really want to go back to Division 4 we know how much of a graveyard it can be at times so I, I'm no expert I wasn't I'm not in the I can't be in the the Leitrim dressing room. I, I'm not involved with the, the team, but I find it very hard to believe that they didn't have at least 18 lads to go to travel to Down. Uh, you you looking for mana? They even try to get the game postponed. Maybe they had a, a bit of a, a trick up their sleeve too, because they, they had more than 18 players available for the game. But when you when you think about it, how can they just come out Saturday morning? Um, about. About saying they've no team can they can 't travel um they'd done an awful lot of a lot of media work. The chairman was on RTE once or twice during the week um, I felt that when when it came out, I was listening to Radio One Des cattle didn 't ask the hard questions about the rapid test and was it done uh, When did you find out when you might 't be available We never found out how many players had the virus, how many were close contacts. There were so many. Ifs, buts, and maybes about why they couldn't travel, and that'd be the big concern for me. Uh, It's too easy of an excuse to use, even though we're in these hard times. Like, if you're we were on about the league table, like if Leitrim can somehow beat Tipperary by five or six points, they stay up in uh, Division Three for next year, which is why David Power is probably a bit anxious about playing Leitrim but in some ways where they're the GA will never know and sometimes you'd wonder who was right and who was wrong in this instance and we're going into league uh, the, the final round of league and there's going to be more walkovers for instance there's a lot of talk that Antrim might get a bye at the weekend when they uh, face Waterford. have nothing to play for they got a walkover last week against London why go the journey they have to go um, knowing that they can't progress anymore I suppose it's good it's a good workout ahead of championship for them but what's really in it for the likes of Waterford traveling the weekend um, you come back to rapid testing um, I've seen no problem so far uh, I believe that Sligo were, were well tested um, in the lead up to the Carlo game I'm sure Carlo were the same and I think at times people love giving out about the current situation until they're actually in that situation uh, we won't know how well People are tested, but I hope for the sake of a lot of the players. You've asked the question: Do the players want to play? Anyone I've spoken to, that was the thing that was that was getting them through um, the first lockdown. Knowing the fact that getting back on the playing pitch, whether it be club football or county football, um, it's it's something to look forward to in the evenings. Uh, you've seen what's happened over the last 24 hours with another lockdown for six weeks. Um, if you took that away from players, um. I suppose you don't want to speak too highly about it, but you know, about mental health and different things happening in these circumstances. And I just hope that as long as the cases keep to a certain level, that we can say we can see a GA action.
0: Yeah, well, look, I would just hope that there is rigorous testing. And, you know, just reading down further on into that article with Bevan Duffy, or about Bevan Duffy, I should say. It has said, you know, it states that at least one county of Wexford avail of the rapid testing service, which resulted in a number of positive cases. Should it not be rapid, rigorous testing, full stop? And like, if that's, if that's in place, nobody can say anything because it's there and it's, it's been done properly. But if it's, if it's imposed and it's not been, if, if we're not availing of it, then Gav, that's where me and you end up having a conversation about it. And I don't want to be harping on about things, I don't want to be um, radiating negativity either here but we have to get this bloody thing right. Like, if we want to sit down and talk about GA every week, then the lads that are providing it for us have to be able to do it in a safe and controlled environment, in my opinion. And that, for me, involves rapid testing, and that is paramount. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I think that's pretty fair.
3: I think your point is more on the line of what happens in the League of Ireland. Um, We've Sligo Rovers here in in Sligo, and I think they're tested every 24 hours or every 48 hours so
0: yeah that's, uh, that's what I'm thinking that's, I think that's fairly reasonable I think it's it's not unreasonable if we are to have this go ahead
3: yeah but my, my understanding of the rapid testing within county players is that it's done um, prior 72 hours before, before the, um, a National League game or, or a competitive game and that was my understanding leading into the first round of the game first round game with uh, Carlo the weekend so unless you can tell me otherwise I think that's what's being done but I haven't heard anything that's con- conflicting that or nothing that's told me that I'm, I'm in the wrong about that maybe you can tell me a bit more from your understanding Kevin
0: yeah well look I, I again I don't know but it's just when you see Bevan Duffy saying this you were thinking right maybe it's just a, an example in one particular county, but I couldn't imagine that being like I would definitely hope that there's no apartheid that maybe the teams higher up the rank are actually getting tested a little bit more and i'm not suggesting that for a minute but i would hope that everyone has been treated equally in this and because louder you know down a couple of divisions or whatever like know so you would be thinking is that is that an example of why or has he just like has bevan duffy basically blown the whistle that Leitrim were afraid to blow up gave the walkover, but is it something along the lines of what bevan duffy was talking about you see this is all speculation we don't know but this is kind of what is happening in the world. When you see this going on, there's an element of doubt and everyone's a little bit apprehensive.
3: I suppose it's very hard to know. Like We've been in, both of us have been in GA dressing rooms. Like Until you're actually in there and until you actually get talking to someone about the testing, we'll never know how much testing's been done beforehand. I agree with you. I hope there's plenty of testing done because it's come to a stage now where... Yeah, the GA is under the limelight now again, and um, I, I know, for instance, here in Sligo, um, a junior soccer team uh, feel that how are they any more uh, elite, uh, the GA players than than them. So when you're in that limelight, you have to make sure you do things properly and by the right channels. And I think it's been done from from my understanding in, in the right way at the minute. But you need to make sure that it, it continues that way. How can Bernard Brogan suggest that we
0: adopt a similar mantra to what the NBA lads did? They basically went off to Disney World and were playing off the Oak in in, in, a, in a bubble, literally. <laughs> like, there's a bit of a difference between professional players and amateur players. These guys have jobs to go back to. Like, how he even thought that was possible? Or is that just maybe an example of how the dubs live and how the rest of us
3: live? Uh, you bet me, too. Maybe Dublin <laughs> could. Maybe Dublin could afford to to leave their job for for uh, six weeks and go into a into a canvas of nothing but Dublin GA. Um, and I suppose it's plenty of people outside of Dublin probably suggest that they do do they actually have jobs. I know plenty of them get free cars. I know it happens uh, throughout the country, but it's amazing how how well prepared these Dublin players are we, we know that they're well looked after in many different aspects of life whether it be their early morning gym and them getting fed or, or after games like they'd be getting top notch food all the time but it happens in most counties at the minute but I wouldn't agree with Bernard Brogan in that sense I don't. Th- I think that's impossible how yeah. can how can a man leave his family life either like you're hardly going to bring the, the wife and the kids or the, the partner and the kids which as well uh, to, get, to get put into that area and I think them behave have an awful lot more money than, uh, than Carlo or Sligo, for instance so I don't think that's a runner anyway Yeah
0: so let's talk about another big point that broke in the last two weeks and I didn't actually do a podcast last week so I didn't get to talk about it but you were manager of the Leitrim Ladies football team and you manage several different teams, both male and female. but well, you'd be very much in the know as regards ladies' football. And what is the story with the Congress thing when it was put forward to basically recognize the dual player and it was overwhelmingly defeated? Like, what a kick in the hole for the 2020 organization. Like, why he was pulling me here? I was saying, how can this be possible? How can it be, like that straightforward against as opposed to any sort of reason for it because we've seen so many examples over the last number of years of fixture clashes with outstanding dual players who have had to make a choice and like it's, it's absolutely poisonous that these two organisations can't recognise each other like what, what did you see from your understanding the reasons why people didn't
3: vote for it like it seems like a no-brainer I think when it comes to it, um... I've been on the county board myself as well, as, as you're aware. I spent five years as county board P.R.O. and I think I'm not sure. I don't. I hope the case, It's not the case in Sligo in in Carlow, but it was the case in Sligo that seemed to ease in the past. Is there's been there's not much love between the two codes, whether it be Camogie, Ladies Football, hurling and football. Um, they try to, they do be attacking each other a lot of the time and very disappointing like for instance Ash Maloney never played um, Senior Camogie until the weekend there even though I think it was a cup. I think she might have been 17 and she put in uh, a player of the match performance for a club uh, Clare. so um, she she she's well capable of doing it like as I was telling you uh, in the lead up to the Carlo game Sligo have three dual players um, maybe you can correct me on this but um, I don't think there's any county that has dual players by Sligo at the minute um, I know Fergal Bowling might be one in Mayo but at the weekend Sligo lost as you know um, to Carlo and they dusted themselves off and three lads played two of them all three of them played the full match against um, against Leitrim in the 3B Hurling League final some people laugh ah Jesus it's only 3B but at the same time the game was at 5 o'clock in Carlo. Um got out of there probably at half seven, and um, the game the next day was at half one in the in the conic Centre of Excellence, and I believe the lads stayed in that loan themselves personally in the Hudson Bay Hotel in that loan just so to take take the 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 travel away from them so they'd be a bit better shape at the next day and Gerald Kelly Lynch for instance who you saw you thought he was quite good at the weekend. Uh, against Carlo. he scored three, four, like so. It can be done, but you need to have an awful lot of personal desire uh, to do it at inter-county level. I still can't figure out why they done what they done. And ladies, I think it was it was Tipperary it was, was actually involved in Ashley Maloney. Why they didn't have the the cop on or the decency to put it back for a week? Like who what who was it, who was it hurting? Like them doing that decision. Like it was more causing more aggro between the organisations once again and. I know the ladies' football, I don't think we're, were at fault this time. I think it was the Camogie Association. But, like, in this day and age, you think a bit of common sense would come into play. Like, um, what harm was it to putting it back a week? Like, these girls are training harder sometimes than the men. Like, from my understanding of being involved with teams, whether it be third level or, or my slight time with Leitrim as well. So, um, I just think a bit of common sense needs to come into play at times. And, if you have a bit of common sense, it's the more than refereeing as you were talking about there. Sometimes referees are refereeing and never played the game. We see whether whatever sport it might be. Like if you use a bit of common sense, if you've played the game, you'll know. Um uh, take take a bit of common sense into into the occasion, into the equation and it, that that should happen with with especially with the year of twenty twenty. I don't know who who, uh, who was fooling each other in, in that circumstance because the top officials of both ladies football and camogie must have their hair out at that decision because that's really put the game back miles and miles to to where it should be at the minute, in my opinion. 76% of delegates voted against bringing
0: in the recognition of dual players and facilitating dual players. Like I can only assume that there is an element of pig-headedness here somewhere that Oh, no, no, I'm not. And then the other, the other part of me thinks, are the right people in here? Are the right people actually going into to vote or to make the vote? Are they the people that's actually in the know? Um, Is it wrong for me to suggest that?
3: No, like, I suppose you're talking about county boards and it's a thing I feel very strongly about is there was a decision made a couple of years ago and I was on the county board and i still very strong about it. I think it was the worst decision county boards in Ireland I know Sligo supported it, and to this day I'm still against it is this was the decision to go from under 18 to under 17 at inter-county level if you look at the All-Ireland Finals of the last couple of years um, I'm not sure if you noticed but I feel like the lads aren't right playing at 16 and 17 in Crow Park in an All-Ireland Final day I just don't think their bodies are, are fully are fully there to be playing a final in Crow Park of that magnitude and um no more than that, it was you have two or three lads voting on it. Is is it the is it the um, opinion of the whole county? God only knows you could be told to vote in one way and then we'll say Bob there'll say, Oh, vote vote such a way and she sure, we'll never know if what way he votes like and I think you're right and pig headness like that's an awful high number and I suppose the question I'll throw at you I know you're asking the questions would there be an issue in ladies football at camogie level or ladies uh, men's football and, and hurling with the dual player in Carlow or, or is uh, is there plenty of people doing it well sure it it, it's,
0: it's a big <laughs> it's a big issue because you know as we've said for many years a lot of our best footballers are our best hurlers and vice versa and you look at Sean Murphy at the moment who you mentioned at the start of the podcast he's out injured now my understanding is that when he's back, he's going to stay with the footballers. But he was on the edge of the square for Bally and in the close championship. And while he was fit, he was unstoppable. And I'm very annoyed and disappointed that, but also very understanding of why we can't see, you know, an era of a dual player in the modern day game. Because, and then you kind of said to yourself why. But people feel that you can't max out on either code by falling in the middle um, and then people will argue go back 10, 20 years ago 30 years ago and we had like I mean Carlo had two of the greatest dual players of all time possibly three or more if you include like off the top of the head Paddy Cork Johnny Nevin two of, the, two of the best ever dual players out there in the country full stop Brendan Hayden a fantastic dual player as well like it's really annoying especially in a county like ours that's so small that these guys actually can't play both codes um, I understand it do I agree with it? No. I'd like to see it still happening. Um, but, you know, it's just unfortunate, Gav, that that's the era we're in. Now, I don't know... Just say, for example, you mentioned Sligo there and those three guys, and that's that's great to see that there is some sort of a place for it. It goes against the science of recovery and all that, but you mentioned that guy that went out and got 3-2 from play, 3-4 in total. I, I don't know. I'm kind of a little bit lost on it. I want to, I want to see it still happening, but I, I just can't... I don't see I don't see it happening because lads just need to have that player three times a week and if he's not there three times a week, it doesn't seem to work. And particularly in Harlan, um, where your touch is so important. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd say, if Sligo were playing, just say, for example, Division 1 Harlan, um, would you see the dual player then? Do you know what? That's how i put it to you, like. And it's not a disrespect towards Sligo or anything like that. But when you go up the ranks like that, people seem to... The game demands more of you, especially in Harlan with your touch. And I don't know... Maybe if... Maybe if Carra dropped down the ranks in Harlan, maybe that's the reason why we had dual players for so long because you know one court wasn't any more wonderful than the other court, as the fella said. But that's, that's probably where I stand on it. I'd, I'd love to see Sean Murphy and these guys playing both courts. Uh, I
3: just don't think... It, it can put happen. in there in, uh, on that point, uh, Kevin. Uh, sorry if it's cutting across you there. You're all right. Um, you, you see there, um, I suppose you're on about Division 1 there, and I suppose it's, it's a perfect example of um, Podge Collins earlier in the year went with the hurlers and um, then pulled out after lockdown uh, there recently. And uh, he featured for the, the footballers at the weekend. And I'd love to know why he pulled away from the hurlers, considering I think he's a better hurler than he is a footballer. But was it something to do with, with his family, that his father isn't over the footballers? Or was it that, was it something else that he wasn't happy with the current hurling set up with? for a while he, he tried it too and it, it looks like it couldn't be done and no more than what you were saying there um, I know you're probably it's a stronger there's probably a stronger Hurling community there in Carlow considering uh, the level you're playing at compared to us but there's still a big Hurling community here as well but I think you need to be playing Hurling or training Hurling on a regular basis to have your touch in and I think that's the difference between hurling and football but it's, it's a sad state of affairs that the, the dual player is kind of it's nearly dead to a certain certain degree but I think I'm right in that circumstance unless you can uh, correct me on it that Sligward only ones with the, the dual player I think you are right. right
0: I think you are right yeah I suppose the other side of it is Gavlig like, I mean if you're a dual player and you're, you're very good at both codes, and just say for example you're on par with a guy who's able to train three nights a week, but you can only train the two nights. Like, is it, if you were the manager of that team, you're probably going to edge towards the guy that's training the three nights a week because you're seeing him more often, even though you understand there's a kind of a, you know, a little bit of leeway for the player that, that's playing both codes. But if he's there, you're kind of thinking, right, like, that could be a, a deciding factor on whether that guy starts or not, like, you know?
3: I suppose it, it, it can can upset a pan too, can't it? That's that, the thing, um, yes. That um will, will say that you're you're um you're playing football with Carlo and will say someone else um is training the whole time and the next thing it comes to a, a big match and you're getting the starting jersey and though the fellow hasn't missed there's been at ninety five percent of training sessions um doesn't get the, the jersey and it can cause up upheaval too uh, among fans as well but. I think most people, most players know that if the fella's better than better than you, um, he won't be too worried about losing the jersey. And I, I just hope that they they can work something, um, with the dual player, but with the split season as well, on the cards, it probably looks like the the dual player has had a stay, maybe. Yeah,
0: I think yeah. so. It's it's unfortunate, but anyway, that's where we are, and we may we may get on with it. Definitely. Well, uh, just a quick run of fixture front, and Wednesday night we have the Leinster 20 Harland Championship encounter between Leish and Carlo uh, 7 o'clock in Port Leash. and then uh, tomorrow week then, we have uh, Wednesday week, that is, with Leinster minor football action between Carlo and Leash. that's a 7 in uh, MW Higher or Moore Park as well. Gav, uh, great to have you on the Left Wing Back podcast, and um, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks for the post-match as well. Much appreciated.
3: No worries at all and um, uh, I'd just like to say um, best luck to Nile Um I got to know him very well during my time when I was in Sligo and I think he's going to do a good job uh, for uh, Carlo football over the next uh, year or two and um, I'm sure we'll be talking to you over the course of them um, glory days uh, we might see you in uh, Sligo hopefully in uh, 12 months time because it doesn't look like either team are going to get out of this division uh, yeah. anytime soon unfortunately but uh, that's a story for another day. But uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, Gavin, and uh, continue, uh, great, great to have, great to be involved in, and uh, best luck with uh, continued success with it as well. Thanks,
1: nice me, Gav